Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. So it's nice to be here uh, in my own church, but uh, speaking uh, and uh, if you don't know, I, I lead something called the Message Trust and there's a stand there that Cyril, stand up Cyril, there he is, my mate Cyril, Cyril's got his own amazing story of salvation from just so much that life threw at him and all kinds of carnage and chaos, but Jesus has come through, so have a chat with Cyril on our stand, on our stand you'll find this, Flow Magazine, how many of you receive this regularly? Quite a few. If you don't, we'd love to send you this power pack magazine every quarter, full of testimonies and encouragements and, and uh, stories about where we're at the message. And there's a card you've got, the brown card on your stand. If you fill that in and hand it to Cyril at the stand at the end, we'd love to start sending you that. And I know you'll find it encouraging if you read it, what God's doing. You'll also find this, which is my latest book, Here I Am. And I was dead encouraged in the first service that Phil told me, uh, in fact I didn't get my microphone on, I was so encouraged <laughs> because I was trying to fill. But Phil told me that at the BBC, the, the Christian group is journeying through the videos that accompany this book. So, and uh, through their group and churches, are, uh, in fact actually churches all over the world are now uh, using this material. So you can get this book for a fiver, I don't keep any of the money, it all goes into the message and you can get Flow Magazine there if you don't get that. And you can also, there's a partner pack full of books and resources and teaching, 100 talks on a USB um, for people who want to partner with the message over and above what they give to Ivy. If you're able to do that, that would be amazing. In the book, here I am, uh, there's lots of teaching, but there's also stories. I sometimes say we're a story-driven movement. And one of my favourite is the story of this guy. Uh, he's called Mo Timbo. Some of you may know Mo. Um, he's a character. And uh, he's a former Muslim, Mohammed Timbo, who came to Christ. And then we met him in prison, came to Christ just before he did a long sentence. And he's, I've never seen anybody um, lead as many people to Jesus as Mo did. It was literally hundreds during his stretch in prison. He came out of prison. He's a drug dealer and a knife criminal. And uh, within a week, I think, he'd married his his girlfriend Elizabeth they had a little boy Jonathan and then they both went up to Hull to plant a church I'm like mate are you ready to plant a church you know it all seemed very fast but he's done an unbelievable job in the last few years he now has a church of hundreds of people in Hull they've just moved into a new building and they do all this amazing outreach but his church is full of people who were just like him he said to me, he's in my advanced group, there's a group of guys get together and we sharpen each other and encourage each other. But last week he said to me, my problem is I don't get any transfer growth. You know, I don't get any of these people joining my church with money from other churches. I said, you're not meant to, Mo. You're meant to go out there and rescue people in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And, and so his church is full of Hull's biggest nutters who've all come to Christ. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so six weeks ago, he told me this story again last week. Six weeks ago, this was the headline in the whole Daily Mail. Horrible headline. Mass man laughs as woman has gun pointed at her head. So this horrible young man had pointed a gun, held this old lady up with a mask and, and he went to court and he got off on a technicality and came out of the court laughing. Now, we would say, probably, a lot of us in this church this morning would say, 
Lock him up, throw away the key. That's disgusting what that young man's done. You know what Mo said? Mo said, he's just like me. I've got to believe he can be changed. He can go from holding old ladies up with guns to, to sharing the good news of Jesus. He can go from the problem to the answer. So he held up the whole Daily Mail in their prayer meeting they were having in Hull. And he said, I want us to pray for this guy, you know, one of Hull's worst that can become one of Jesus' best. Do we believe that? Yes, we do. And the guys, of course, said, oh yeah, we know who that is. That's Ty. <laughs> And so they all started praying for Ty. And the following Saturday, as they do every Saturday, they went out into Hull, rapping and sharing Jesus. And guess who was in Hull Town Centre? And guess who Mo led to the Lord? And who's been in church the last five weeks, bringing all his family along. And here's a picture of him last Sunday. Got that next picture. So this is Ty. And all those guys are former prisoners, knife criminals, drug dealers who've come to Jesus and have gone from the problem to the answer. And he started work for the first time last week. So how amazing that this is happening. Anyway, Mo has been out doing a thing called No More Knives all around the schools of Hull with these guys. They go and give their testimonies about Jesus saving them and the transformation that's come and they've put down their knives and they challenge young people to come to Christ and lay down your knives. And at the end of this tour, there was a knife amnesty where you could take your knives to the local police station. This is what it looked like in the local police station. All these knives from kids in Hull. And when I saw that picture, I thought, it's what's meant to happen. We're not just meant to get saved and have our little relationship with Jesus. We're meant to go out and transform society. This is a rescue mission. You know, kids are not going to be knived because that lad went into school and told his great story of salvation. Don't you love it? Well, if you love it, buy the book. (laughs) Because there's lots more great stories like that and and, uh, teaching and anyway. So, no, but it it does fit into the context of what I'm going to say today as we look into the Bible. Uh, This is a big week for Christians. In fact, it's not just a big week for Christians, it's a big week for everybody. It's the most important week in the Christian calendar. Today is the start of Holy Week. And guess what? It's holy. We need to enter this week with some awe and reverence as we look into the Bible. Did you know a third of all the writings we have about Jesus in the Gospel take place during this week? That's how important it is. You know, Jesus lived on earth for 33 years. Uh, this is what it says in the Gospel of John. The last words of the Gospel of John are these. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for all the books that would be written. So, you know, Jesus did a lot of stuff. He could have filled all the books in the world. You know, he was just amazing. He was, he was serving God's purposes and doing remarkable things. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the writers felt so much focus had to be on this week. A third of all the writers. Do you feel the weight of that? How important it is. This week, as prophecy after prophecy after prophecy from the Old Testament was fulfilled in magnificent detail. Did you know that Jesus fulfilled in his life on earth over 300 Old Testament prophecies? So in the Old Testament, it's all there in incredible detail about, you know, where the Messiah is going to be born, what family line, what his friends are going to do to him. All these things you could never fix in a million years, even down to a thousand years before crucifixion was invented. It tells us in Psalm 22 that he's going to be nailed pierced through his hands and feet. I mean, how weird is that and how amazing, don't you think? 
Well, I read this beautiful article on a website this week, and it was talking about prophecy, you know, preparing for this message, and just how, how crazy it is, all the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Not one or two, but every one, over 300. And this is what they said on, that, on this website. The chances of one person fulfilling eight of those prophecies, mathematicians have worked out, you know, are one in, this is 15 notes, I think it's a thousand, 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 thousand million of eight prophecies. The chances of a person fulfilling 48 prophecies is a number so vast it just doesn't compute. One to 10 to the 157th power. Basically, it's an in, almost infinite number. It could never happen. The chance of one person fulfilling over 300 prophecies in minute detail, only Jesus. Nobody else in all world history, only our Jesus. And it's God shining a light on him. He's the saviour. He's the Messiah. He's the one. It's all there. Hey, guess what, people? It's true. It's true. Jesus is the saviour. It's clear. All you've got to do is read the book, look at the man, and you'll discover what I've discovered. He's life itself and he changes everything and, and don't you think almost like at, at that moment what I've just said in the first five minutes of this message we better flip him bow down and worship him because yes. he's Lord and King and God and it's all there for us to see today is called Palm Sunday as you know for some people they would think it's the time for kids to make little crosses out of palms and sing Hosanna but it's much bigger than that it is so much bigger than that. I wonder how many of you have been to Jerusalem. Who's been to Jerusalem? Not enough of you. You need to go. It's incredible. I mean, I thought, you know, I thought, well, do I really need to go? I've got Jesus in my heart. Do I need to go to the place? But for me, it was life-changing. I've been three times, actually. First time I went on this trip with uh, a bishop's pilgrimage and uh, the people were so old that me and Michelle were called the young people. Have we got the young people with us? <laughs> And we got held up everywhere at security because why are these people here 30 years younger than everybody else? But it was amazing, Bishop Jim Thompson. And then I went on a crazy youth pilgrimage where we camped in the desert with the Bedouins and it was remarkable and climbed up mountains. And then I went last year and cycled across Israel and we ended up in Jerusalem. And it was each time God's just spoken to me in a special way. Walking down the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem, this is what it looks like. And I'm sure you're familiar with that picture. And that's the dome on the rock, which is on the site of Solomon's temple, which used to be the holiest place on earth, where the great temple that was built, where the Holy of Holies was in the middle of the temple, where God dwelt. And Jesus said, as he walked down with his disciples, the journey we're about to talk about today, Jesus said, you see that temple, one of the great wonders of the ancient world, very soon, not one stone will be left on another. And for the disciples, it was almost like blasphemy. How can you say that? How can you say the temple's going to be no more? Because that's where we go to get our forgiveness. That's the very centre of the Jewish faith. But Jesus said, pretty soon it's going to be smashed to the ground because it's not needed anymore. And what's there now? A Muslim temple. It's like God's, a, Muslim, a mosque. It's like God's out of here. I, I, I'm no longer there. And below, below the, the below, the temple below that golden mosque is a wall, a wailing wall. 
You've seen the pictures of the Wailing Wall. If you've been to Jerusalem, you've seen religious Jews rocking and crying out to Yahweh. They'll answer this one prayer. Give us our temple back. Give us our temple on this site. These are the foundation walls and they push prayers into that wall. But you know what? That prayer's never going to be answered because we don't need a temple anymore to go and meet God. Why? Because I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit and so are you. Because God doesn't dwell in a temple built by man anymore. He dwells in our hearts. In Jesus' day, as Jesus entered Jerusalem, of course, there wasn't a, a, a golden mosque. This is a little bit what it looked like. This great fort had been built. We've got that next slide. Fort Antonia, named after Mark Antony. A, a giant fort which overshadowed the as far as Jews are concerned, the most holy place on earth. We can look down on your temple area and make sure nothing gets out of hand. There were 600 Roman soldiers, 24-7, who guarded the temple, basically. They knew that if anything was going to kick off, you know, the, 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 the Romans had taken over Israel and they were ruling in a cruel way and the Jewish people were desperate to kick them out. If anything was going to kick off, they knew it would be almost certainly around the temple courts. And so they built this vast fort overshadowing the temple. And if there was any time of year when it was going to kick off, when there was going to be an insurrection, it would be Passover week. As hundreds of thousands of Jews descended on Jerusalem. And into this city, hot with tension, comes Jesus on the first day of Holy Week riding on a donkey you, you know you would picture Jesus riding on a mighty white stallion but the one who spoke and the universe was formed came into town on a donkey let's just read it Matthew 21 1 to 11 as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives Jesus sent two disciples saying to them Go to the village ahead of you and once you will find, you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that follow shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. It's all part of God's great drama. This incredible week, the most important week in human history. We know that Jesus and the disciples had walked from Jericho, 17 miles, a, a 3,000 foot climb, you know, quite a trek. And you can imagine, can't you, as they walked, more and more people joined them. A greater and greater crowd gathered as they walked into Jerusalem. The word was out that Jesus, here he is. 
the guy who teaches with authority. There's something weighty. The way that who teaches, the way the Messiah would teach. The, the miracle worker. Lazarus was raised from the dead just round the corner. It's all happening. It's buzzing. Could this be the one? Could this be the saviour, the deliverer, the one who will rout the Romans once and for all and we'll get our nation back and we'll smash that stupid fort to the ground? Could he be the one? You can imagine, can't you, the tension. As he arrived in Jerusalem, they waved palms and they laid their coats on the ground as he, he rode in on this donkey. These were intensely political things. The Psalms for Psalms. Think of the leek for the Welsh or the yellow rose for the Texan. It was a, a patriotic thing. It was, we're Jewish people. And the excitement of the patriots was a fever pitch as Jesus marched. And you can imagine the atmosphere crackling, can't you? Imagine how the Romans were feeling as all this happened. They believed the day of the deliverer was near. And yes, it was. But it wasn't the day they expected. They didn't realise that Jesus wasn't going to take on the Romans. He was going to take on a far more deadly enemy. And he was going to destroy the enemy of us all. The enemy of sin and death. That's what was going on during this week. 500 years before, Zechariah had prophesied. Another one of those prophecies in the Old Testament. And he'd said this. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9. Rejoice greatly. O people of Zion, shout in triumph. O people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He's righteous and victorious, yet he's humble, riding on a donkey, even on a donkey's colt. They knew the Bibles. They knew the prophecies. It was a religious society. They knew the symbolism and the picture of the saviour riding into Jerusalem. You can imagine how they felt, can't you? And they go absolutely nuts, understandably. Hosanna, 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 they're shouting. You know what Hosanna means? God saves. God saves. The saviour's on the scene. God saves. We all need saving. Everybody you've ever met, no matter how, whether they're a, a drug-dealing knife criminal or the, the pushiest, smartest business person, they need saving. There's only two types of people in the world, the saved and the unsaved. We need saving. Hosanna, Jesus saves. We need saving for all eternity. We need saving from hell. You do. And if you haven't accepted Christ, you're not saved. We need saving. But... We also need saving now from living little, small, self-centred lives that are all about me and building my little world. We need saving every day, don't we? Yeah. I might have said this before and I ever forgive me, but it, I think it's worth saying I heard a lovely story about Bishop J.C. Ryle uh, in the 19th century, a, a beautiful Anglican bishop who wrote some real spectacular commentaries. But um, in the early days of the Salvation Army, when the Salvation Army, these completely radical, out there, crazy people with their crazy music and crazy heart for the poor and the broken, you know, everything we want the message to be, they were, they were modelling it so wonderfully at the end of the 19th century. But on a steam train... Bishop J.C. Ryle was quietly reading his Bible and a young Salvation Army officer, girl, came up to him and said, Bishop, are you saved? I mean, arrogant, but the kind of thing you do when you're full of zeal. And, the, you know, because she thought, well, surely the guy with the, you know, purple vestments on and the dog collar, he's not going to be saved. We're the Salvation Army. 
And Bishop J.C. Ryle said a lovely thing to this girl. He said, well, depends what you mean by saved. You could say I was drowning in a lake and somebody throws me a life belt and I'm saved. You could say I've climbed into the boat and I'm rowing towards the shore and I'm saved. Or you could say I'm safe on dry land forever. I'm never going to sink in that lake again and I'm saved. He said, I think I'm in the boat, sister. And I like that because we need saving, don't we? Saving from a lake of sin that will find us out sooner or later. We need to get in the boat and start rowing towards heaven, don't we? We need to put something into this Christian life. But there will be a day if we accept Jesus where we're saved for all eternity. Jesus saves. They expected him to save them from the Romans. Jesus went ahead and did what was necessary to save them from sin and hell and death. Wow. Because within a week, many of the crowd who were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Because they turned on him. I think because they realised he wasn't going to take on the Romans. He wasn't going to stir up an insurrection. He was doing something much more powerful. He was the servant king. He was the one who rode into town on a donkey. And he was the one who a few days later, as we'll celebrate next weekend, died on a cross. He was pierced through his hands and feet. On him rested the sin of us all. That's what it says in the Old Testament. That's what happened on Friday We'll remember it. What a few days. As Jesus rode into town, he was then arrested in a mockery of a trial. And as he died on the cross, taking the punishment that we deserve, being our substitute, that's what the Bible calls him, as he died on the cross, at the end of this hideous torment he went through for us, he shouted a great cry of victory. It is finished. Literally, the price is paid. No more do we need to pay the price for our sins because Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, has paid the price for our sins. As he shouted that cry of victory, something amazing happened a few yards away in the temple that would be smashed to the ground a few years later, just as Jesus said, in the temple, the Holy of Holies is in the very centre of the temple. It's a place nobody's allowed to enter apart from one man, the high priest, one day a year. And they would fill the Holy of Holies with smoke. He would crawl into the Holy of Holies, smeared in blood on his belly, with a rope tied around his ankle in case he died in the very presence of God, the holiest place on earth. And he would sacrifice on the altar for the people's sins. As Jesus shouted out from the cross, it is finished. Guess what happened? The highly embroidered 30-foot curtain, as wide as the span of a man's hand, that protected the Holy of Holies from people from sinners was torn into from top to bottom I love that and it's a picture of God saying I'm out of here and from that moment we didn't need a temple in Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit could live in our hearts because we could be made holy we could be forgiven we didn't need to go through all that rigmarole anymore because we can know Jesus we can be saved from our sins and live like it because of what Jesus did on the cross do you believe it? Well, if you believe it, tell the world about it. Because everybody's got to know that, haven't they? It's true and it's real and it happened. And just to confirm it all, two days later, Sunday, he rose from the dead. Yes. 
and he conquered sin and death once and for all. It really happened and he's alive. And next Sunday we'll have a right party at the forum because Jesus is alive. Are you going to bring people along to the party so they can hear this marvellous good news? We'll rejoice. He rose again and he's alive. He's alive in our hearts. We don't need to go to a temple to meet him. He's with us every moment of every day, has forgiven people who are saved. So Hosanna, God saves. But to finish, I felt like I want to ask you a a personal question. Has he saved you? Do you know you're saved? You can know you're saved, honestly. And and I don't don't even know who's here today. I, I, I don't know lots of you. My guess is that most people in this room are saved. But like in the first service, if there's anybody who doesn't know that, I want you to know it. And Jesus said, anyone who comes to me, there's no way I'll turn you away. Honestly, if you can save Mo Timbo, the nightmare drug dealing knife criminal, who's knifed people and been knifed himself and who's done the most wicked things. If you can save Ty, who old, old ladies up with a gun and a mask, you know, these evil things. If you can save them, he can save you, can't he? There's nothing you've done. The only thing that's going to separate you from God is you. If you choose to live your own way, you choose to live as the unsaved. But what a crazy thing to do when it's true and he's alive and he wants to forgive you. Jesus says, anyone who comes to me, and if you come to Jesus today, make him Lord of your life, turn away from what's wrong and ask him to forgive you, he promises he will do. And today... More people are going to be saved than at any time since these events happened. More people around the world are becoming Christians than at any time. I mean, we need to do everything we can to see as many people as possible join in that, don't we? We need to get out there and go and share this message with the world. But I do want to give you an opportunity. And again, every time I speak now, I just chuck it out there. Because I can't save anybody. But I'd hate anybody to leave this place not knowing that you can be saved. Well, you can be saved. So let's just pray, can we? Can we just pray? Ask your Lord to be very present now. Yeah, show us where we stand before you, God. Pray salvation will spring up in this church. You'll do the thing that only you can do, Lord. Forgive sins. Restore people. and Set them on fire for you. Oh, God. Thank you, Lord. So I just want to give you an opportunity. As I say, I don't know who's here and don't know where you all stand before God, but if, you, if you're not saved, if you don't know you're a Christian this morning and you want to give your life to Christ, I'd just love it. It's just right where you sat, you'd just raise your hand. Not to me, but raise your hand to heaven. Is anybody who needs to do that, give your life to Christ this morning. Don't miss this opportunity. If you're not sure that you're saved and you want to give your life to Christ, anybody who needs to do that this morning, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Just going to wait a moment. It's beautiful to pray as someone who's just an alpha who's like, this is my morning. I want to give my life to Christ a few moments ago. Thank you, Lord.
Don't raise your hand to Andy Hawthorne, but raise your hand to heaven and say, here I am. I want to be forgiven. I want to live for you. Thank you, Lord. And if you're one of the saved, if you know Jesus saves, if written over your life is Hosanna, save me. But maybe you feel like perhaps you've gone a bit cold in terms of reaching others and going out with this message that must be heard by everybody. I'd just love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you that God will reignite that fire and that passion. And even this week that you'll be used to share with others the glorious message of Easter. That people will be in that forum centre next Sunday and you've played a part in them being there and that you'll see them saved. Yeah. yeah? And if you want that, would you just stand right where you are? Would you just stand if that's you? You want to like a fresh urgency, a fresh passion, fresh fire towards reaching others. You are willing to go out in his name and tell others and reach others. You're like, I want everybody to know it's true. I want everybody. I, I can't keep this to myself. Yes, come on, Lord. Stir us up. Stir us up afresh, Lord. Sorry we've got cold towards this gospel. Sorry the cares and worries and riches of this life have perhaps choked this urgency for mission. I pray that will not be the story and I pray the Forum Centre next Sunday will be packed out and as the appeal goes out next Sunday, there'll be many saved, Lord. We can't bear it that people we know don't know you. So we pray, stir us up afresh, Lord. Set us on fire. Let us be men and women who make a mark for you in this generation because you deserve it. Thank you that the gospel's true and it must be heard and you've, you've actually given us this task of taking it out into a world of need. So we make ourselves available for that, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.